And I would just like to start with a question. How many of us think that we could use some more peace in our world today? Like we could just use some more peace. How many of you would just be honest and say, I could use some more peace in my own life. Like my own life right now just seems like just stuff is happening. And, and I would just ask the question too, when's the last time that you lost your peace? Like you're just like, man, I was feeling good that day. And then all of a sudden something happened. And then I'm just like, just totally messed up and, and, and everything's messed up. What do I mean by losing your peace? Losing your peace could mean anything from something just getting under your skin and frustrating you, because we know that stuff happens, to, uh, to something that like shakes you at your very core. It's not, when I'm talking about losing your peace, this is not just like a binary thing, like a light switch that you turn on and off. Like I had my peace and then I lost it. No, what could happen is, is I mean, this could be anything from like a level one, let's say a level one of losing your peace would be like your sock falling down in your shoe, like behind your ankle. Has that ever happened to anyone else but me? And like, it just, you're just like, what is happening with my life right now? I can't control like whatever, you know, like you're just like, what, but it's really not that big of a deal. Just take your shoe off, pull your sock up. You're Good, right? So you could lose your peace like that, or you could receive news like a level 10 would be receiving news that you had cancer or a loved one that had cancer. Like that could really mess up your life. One of the many problems that we have in our culture today, though, is that there are people who don't have the emotional maturity to differentiate between level one issues and level 10 issues. And so they act like a level 10 response to everything regardless of what level the issue was on. This is where you get like the videos of like the Karens and stuff like that online. Like that, this is what happens. You know, level one thing happened and then all of a sudden someone has this like huge response. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what happens is you just don't have the emotional maturity to differentiate that, you know, this is really not that big of a deal. Have you seen others do that? I mean, we all have. Like you've all seen the people like that, you know, they're not wearing a mask in the store and then they lose their you know, when they're told they had to put a mask on or something like that, they just lose their minds. A more important question, I would say, with, you know, people having the response, you know, maybe a level 10 response to a level one issue is, have you done that? Have you done that? Because I have. I have. I've, I've done that. And, and that's just part of the, the world that we live in. But it may be helpful when we're looking at peace and when we're looking at losing our peace. It may be helpful for you and I to understand what anger is. Because that's really what happens, right? You get angry, you get upset, you get frustrated, you get, and so we need to look today at what anger is. And most people think that, that anger really is divided into two groups of people. Those who get angry and those who don't, right? How many of you guys would say, honestly, I have a temper? I have a temper, I have a little bit of a temper, right? How many of you guys would say, I don't have a temper, but the person I'm married to has a temper, right? <laughs> you know, like we say that. So you, we would say that they're divided into two different groups, those who get angry and those who don't. But really, that's not true. It's not those who erupt and those who are easygoing. The truth is, is everybody gets angry. We just express that anger in different ways. We express that anger in different ways. And there's a pastor and author in New York City, his name's Tim Keller, and he says this, that anger is actually a form of corrupted love. Anger is actually a form of corrupted love. Anger is love in motion. When something I love or care about is threatened, that makes me angry. And so that, then when you look at that, it's really not that bad or it's not that good because this could happen in a good way. Like if, if you see injustice in the world, you see people being abused, you see the, the bad things happen and it makes you angry, that's a good thing. It should make you angry. It should make you upset. But when, let's say, um, another example would be 
If you're watching the sports game and then your two-year-old walks in front of the TV and turns the TV off and then you get angry at the two-year-old, is that sports game worth the relationship to the two-year-old? No, it's not, right? And so you see this difference between what's appropriate to be angry and what's inappropriate to be angry. One anger is good. The other anger is, is bad. Jesus got angry. Jesus got upset. People uh, what would happen in, in Jesus's time is people would make a pilgrimage to the temple. They would go to like the main temple in the whole country. Like, let's say for us, it would be like Washington, D.C., the capital. We would all go to Washington, D.C. like once a year and we would make sacrifices. We would worship God all in D.C., all at the same time. We would all do this once a year. And that's what they would do in Jesus' time. So everyone would come to the temple and they would worship. But what was happening is um, because of the long journey, these people, they couldn't bring like the sacrifices with them. They would actually sacrifice animals back in that time. You can read the Bible and study about why they did that and how they did that. But they would sacrifice animals. But because of the journey, they wouldn't bring their animals with them. So it's a lot easier to carry money. Same thing today, right? We don't barter anymore. Like I, if, if I need to have a house, I don't give you like 50 cattle. Like I don't do that anymore. Like we don't do that today. Instead, I give you money and you're like, okay, this money's good and I can go buy cattle with it if I want. A weird example because none of us probably have cattle, but you understand what I'm saying. What happens is people would start bringing money, and instead of having to carry their sacrifices with them, they would bring the, their money to the temple, and some entrepreneurs decided that they should sell animals for sacrifices in the temple. But over time, they started taking advantage of the people, and they started price gouging the people who would come to bring their sacrifices. And this is where we see in John chapter 2, verse 14, in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changer sitting there and he and making a whip of cords this is Jesus here and making a whip of cords he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out all the coins of the money changers and turned over their tables Jesus just went nuts on these people he was angry why was he angry he was angry because his desire and what he cared about was people worshiping God people worshiping God with who they are. and he knew that, that there were people who were taking advantage of other people who wanted to worship God and that made him angry and so we see there's good anger and there's bad anger there's good anger there's bad anger anger identifies what's more important to you right now. Not what's most important to you right now, what's more important to you right now, because that can shift, right? You could say, man, my, my two-year-old is the most important thing to me right now, or the most important thing in my life. But if I scream at that two-year-old because they walked in front of the TV, guess what? That game that I'm watching is more important to me right now. So what does this mean for you and me? When we get angry, when we get upset, when we get frustrated, when we, when we lose our peace in a situation, when we lose it, then what happens for us is that we've identified, that anger has identified what's more important to us in the situation right now. And so that this is really hard for us in the moment. It's really hard for us to, to process and, and to, to understand, like, you know, how, how am I going to do this? Like, when I get angry, it, it almost feels like it takes over. Have you ever felt that? It almost it feels like it takes over, and I, and I can't control my anger. And, and, and is my anger that I'm, is it really worth what I'm angry about? Is, is, is this issue worth the emotional investment that, that I'm putting into it? Is it even worth it? And it, it just seems like we're, we're just struggling. But here's the thing. 
we're promised help. If you have your Bibles today, we're John chapter 14, it says this, John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you. This is Jesus talking to his followers. Jesus talking to his followers, and he says, these things I have spoken to you while I am here with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what I have said to you. So when you're in a situation and you're like, man, uh, I just, I feel like, you know, I'm angry, I'm taking over or whatever. And you just feel like you're overwhelmed and like things are happening. You can have the Holy Spirit bring to your remembrance the teachings of Jesus that how we should be acting in that situation. And then he continues, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as this world gives, do I give to you. Let your hearts, uh, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Holy Spirit is our helper who guides us into peace. You need to understand this. As a believer, as someone who has, who has made the decision to follow Jesus and he's forgiven you of your sins and he set you free, the Holy Spirit is alive inside of you. And because the Holy Spirit is alive inside of you, does that mean that you're never going to mess up? No, we're going to mess up all the time. We're, just, that's, we're human. We're trying to do better. We're trying to follow God more. But the Holy Spirit is now alive inside of us so that we can have peace, so that we can remember the teachings of Jesus, so that we can do what God wants us to do. We must trust God more and depend on ourselves less. We must trust God more and depend on ourselves less. So many of us are trying to do peace on our own. So many of us are trying to do peace on our own. So many of us are trying to take responsibility for things that we can't control and we can't change. And because we're doing that, we, we're constantly losing our peace because we think it's my responsibility to keep my peace. It's not your responsibility to keep your peace. God sent the Holy Spirit to keep your peace for you. And so we have to trust God to keep the peace. That when I need peace, God is there. God is there. God, is, God will give it to me as I need it. I don't have to fight to keep the little bit that I have. God has all the peace that I need, and he will give it to me when I need it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so for, for many of us, we're trying to do things that we weren't meant to do. God was meant to do it for us. And our reliance needs to be on him, not depending on ourselves. When we were in uh, Minneapolis last week visiting my daughter in college, I lost my peace twice. I'm going to tell you about it both times, right? I'll tell you about both times. One was for a worthy reason. One was for a worthy reason. One was for not a worthy reason. It was a really dumb reason. I'll start, I'll start with a dumb one. All right. So, uh, we were, at, we were staying at this, in Minneapolis, they have this big mall, Mall of America. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, if you've ever been there. It's like this massive mall. And we, there are hotels that are attached to it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, me and Liz, we don't get out of town a lot. I'm going to splurge. We're going to stay in the mall and all this stuff. And then as we were checking in, we knew that our flight that we were leaving, we had checkout was later in the afternoon. So, you know, the hotels, you got to check out at noon. So we didn't want to bring our bags through the mall. That would be weird. It would be like, you know, homeless vagrants or whatever, like carrying bags through the mall or whatever. So I was like, I just asked the front desk, can we leave our bags here when we, when we check out before we have to catch our flight? They're like, absolutely. Yeah, sure, do it. That's fine. I was like, okay, cool. So the day that we're going to check out, I go down to the front desk and I say, okay, here's our bags. And they're like, sir, we can't take that. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't? 
I can't, I have to, I have to bring this with me. Like, uh, you know, I didn't yell at the lady. I didn't become a Karen. She didn't put me on. I'm not going to show up on Facebook. I promise. Right. But, but it still like got up under my skin. Like, why did they tell me that they could and they couldn't? And I, and I got really, really irritated by it. But really, and again, it wasn't really, wasn't really worth it. Right. Now, the, the worthy reason, it was a couple of days before I lost my peace earlier that week when our country mourned about the shooting that happened in Atlanta where eight people were brutally murdered, a lot of them because they were Asian descent. And, and, and as the church, like, we, we, have to, we have to stand up for that. We have to stand against it. And we have to, we have to say that, that, that what's right and what's wrong. And so things can make you angry. Things should make you angry. They should make you upset. They should, they should do this because people are created in the image of God, and, and we must stand against all forms of evil. We may not realize this, but when we look at the parable of the Good Samaritans, Samaritans were viewed as outsiders amongst the Jews. They were, they were immigrants. They were, those, or they were the people who were, who were not normally a part of the society. And, when, when you see, and you see this also in John chapter 4 when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. He, he's, he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And pretty much in the early on in the conversation, she's like, why are you even talking to me? Why you, you guys don't talk to us. We don't talk to you guys. Why is this enga- engagement going to happen? And what happens is, is that over time, what can happen in the church is when we engage in a war over culture for several decades, there's always a danger that we only truly care about those who look, act, vote, believe, and live like us. But, the count, but this is counter to Jesus' teaching in this parable when he tells us to love our neighbors. That Samaritan looked, act, believed, and lived differently than the Jews that he was teaching. And his, this is the example that he gave in loving his neighbors. Let's look in, in Luke chapter 10. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. He was stripped, uh, who stripped him and beat him and, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, uh, a ch- by chance, a priest. So these guys would be like, oh, cool, a priest. He's respected. We should respect him. This would be like a pastor. A pastor, we should respect him. He's always going to do the right thing. Jesus says a priest is going down the road and he, he saw him and he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, a Levite was the church worker and work, someone who worked in the church. When he came and saw him at the place, he also passed on the other side. But the Samaritan, the one who was different, the one who acted different, lived different, voted different, worshiped different. As he journeyed, he came to where he was. He saw him and he had compassion. When he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. The Jews who would listen to this would understand that oil and wine are things that we use for worship oil and wine, poured on the oil and wine. Then he sat next to him, set him on his own animal, brought him to the end and took care of him. And the next day he took, took out two denarii or, or, or wages. He gave, he gave money to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whenever more, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, Jesus asked the crowd who's listened to him, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, what? You go and do likewise. Pastor Rich uh, Viados said this, uh, mercy is bandaging up people bloodied in life. Justice is systematically stopping those who are bloodying up people. The church needs both kinds of ministries. May we be like the, may we not be like the priest and the Levite who passed on the other side when we saw hurting and broken people. May we be like the Samaritan. Let's talk about when peace is lost. There are all kinds of things that we do to cope with a lack of peace. 
There are all kind of things that we do, that you and I do all the time to cope with the lack of peace. The first thing is that some people will distract. Some people will distract. They're going to bury themselves in their phones and social media, in their Xbox, on TV, uh, pouring their emotions into a sports team. They're going to distract themselves from the lack of peace that they have going on inside of them. Some people, they're going to medicate. Some people like when, when they feel upset and they feel frustrated, they, they, they eat more or they drink more or, or they, they, they actually do drugs or whatever. They, they, they medicate the lack of peace in their life. Some people, they open up. They actually open up and, and they talk to friends or loved ones or go to counseling, which is, is good. It's fine. And some people close down. They, they basically circle the wagons inside of themselves emotionally. So they, we distract, we medicate, we open up, we close down. Now, some of these things aren't inherently bad. Like, they're not inherently, like, 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 just like we talked about anger. It's not necessarily bad that you get angry. It depends on what you're angry about and how you get angry. Some, things are, some of these things that aren't inherently bad. We talked about when we medicate, some people overeat. But here's the thing. You got to eat. You need to eat. That's not, that's not necessarily bad. Sports are fun to watch. When I moved to Arizona five years ago, uh, I was from a part of the country in Alabama that had no sports teams, right? No pro sports teams. So I was like really excited to come to a city that had pro sports teams, right? But everyone was terrible in Arizona for like years and years and years. Finally, this year, the Suns are good. And I'm so excited, right? I'm so fired up and pumped up. So it's, it's not bad to like sports. But the problem is, is that when we medicate with it, when I have an issue, when I'm lost my peace, and now I pour my heart, my soul, my energy into something else, and I don't deal with the fact that I lost my peace. Like, we have to pay attention to what's going on inside of us. I talked about counseling, opening up to people. Counseling is a great resource. I've been to counseling. It really was helpful for me. And as a pastor, I've referred a bunch of people to counseling, and it's helped them. Individuals, couples, I've seen positive results. And the counselors that I've referred to, they're Christians with a Bible approach to the ministry, and it's a great tool. And some of us, but things, things are certain. If we're distracting ourselves or medicating ourselves from problems and substances, they probably won't tend to go away on their own. How many of you guys have ever had problems just go away on their own? Usually they don't. Usually they don't. They're there, and so we have to deal with them in a healthy way. Sometimes it's good to withdraw. Jesus had a pattern of withdrawing. If you follow Jesus' life and what he actually did in the Gospels, he would minister to a lot of people. He would go through things. He would heal people, but then he would pull back, and he would withdraw, and he would spend some time alone with God. But that's what he was doing. He was spending it alone with God. He wasn't in his dark bedroom, like sulking and just thinking about how his feelings could get worse and worse and worse and worse. Like he didn't just close down and and go into this depression. No, what he did is he targeted his alone time with God because God was his help. God was his supply. God was his source. The other thing we talked about is opening up to people. And it's good that you open up to people. We mentioning that, that it's good to talk to to have counseling or talk to a friend. But here's the thing I would say and the caution I would give to you. Make sure the people that you talk to, when you lose your peace, when you struggle, just don't talk to anyone and everyone. Find people who are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually mature enough to help you through the issue that you're having to process. I've seen people like follow crazy advice online from people that they've never met before. And it's like, they don't know you. They don't know your situation. They don't know what's going on. And people are like, oh yeah, but I read it online. It must be true. 
uh, there's another situation where uh, the, when my, uh, my 15-year-old was a little baby, uh, the, the big thing then was they, they had mommy bloggers. All right, now I'm sure it's like TikTok or something. But, but back then it was mommy bloggers. And so the, what would happen is you'd have this mom that had this like the two-year-old and she only ever had a two-year-old. She doesn't know like what her parenting is going to make that kid like when they're like 15, 16, 17, 18. Like, like she's just going to like, I'm teaching a two-year-old and this happened to work today and he didn't throw a tamper, temper tantrum, right? Like he, he, he didn't throw a temper tantrum. So, so I'm going to tell the world that this is how they should parent. If you parent any different than this, then you're wrong, Right. And so these mommy blogs would come off like this, but Liz and I would read them and we're like, well, we have a kid older than that and we didn't parent like that. And we had parents, we knew parents that did parent like that. And that when they got older, the kid was like terrible. And so, and so like you, you see these people were like, they don't have the wisdom. They don't have the insight. They don't have the, the, the knowledge. They don't have the experience. They don't have the years of applied uh, ministry or activities or whatever. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell me how to, tell me how to parent. No, you, you need to go to the people that know what they're talking about, that have been down the road, that have done that. It's not just your friends or, or the people online. You got to find people who are emotionally, mentally, spiritually mature enough to actually help you. It's good to talk, but talk to people who can actually help. I'm going to say this before and I'm going to say this again. We have to trust God more and depend on ourselves less. If we're talking about peace, if we're talking about finding the peace that, that so many of us crave, so many of us want to see in the world, so many of us feel like we lose on a daily basis, we must trust God for that more and depend on ourselves less. In Psalms 23, David says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd. That means that God is the one who's guiding him. God's the one who's directing his steps. Also, a shepherd is someone who provides. He brings provision. He refreshes his sheep. He gives security to his sheep. Like, look, a lot of people are like, man, I want to control my own life. Look, I don't want to control my own life. I need God to control my life. I need God to direct my steps. I need God to tell me where to go, who to, where, who to talk to, what to say, how to act, how to live. I need God to do that. I don't, I don't need to be the one that's like, like hey, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm always right. I need to. No, God is my shepherd. And because God is my shepherd, guess what? I don't have to win my own peace. I don't have to win my own peace because he provides it for me. He gives it to me. I don't earn it. I'm not capable of even keeping it if I do have it. I, I lose it all the time. The shepherd is the one who provides the peace for us. Stop trying to protect the little peace you have and trust God to provide it for you. Trust God to provide it for you. 1 Peter 5 verse 26 or verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. How many of you guys know we live in a world with anxiety right now? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares 
for you. You don't have to carry your anxieties. You don't have to carry your fears. You don't have to carry uh, your, your, your struggles, your frustrations. You can cast those on Jesus because he cares for you. Listen, peace is not the absence of conflict. So many of us are like, dude, if, if that person would just get out of my life, if that coworker would just find another job, if that parent would just leave me alone, if that kid would just get their act together, we think that, that if conflict would just go away, we would finally get peace. But you weren't promised a lack of conflict. The Bible never promised us that. And so we, for us to say, you know, if I, can, uh, if, this, if I can just get rid of conflict, I can finally have some peace. That's just, that's not accurate. And re- frankly, it's not even biblical. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of trust. Peace is the presence of knowing that God has got you. God has got you in this situation. God has got you in, in the struggle and in, in, in whatever it is that you're fearful of, whether, whatever it is that you feel like that in that conflict that you're going to lose, whatever it is that you feel like uh, is being attacked or whatever. God is protecting you. God is guiding you. God is providing for you. God is refreshing you. God is directing your steps. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of trust. And so for you today, If you're like, man, I I need peace in my life. I I need it in my life right now. There's so much happening. I see it on the news and I see it in the world and and I'm dealing with it in my own life. And you're like, man, I don't know where to turn. I don't know how to get peace. I'm telling you today, you need to cast your cares, cast your hopes, cast everything. Cast it on Jesus and he will care for you. He will bring peace. He will bring trust. He He will bring his presence in your life. All you have to do is trust. Him. All you have to do is trust him. And so today, I'm not praying for you that conflict goes away. I'm sorry, you have to find another pastor for that. You got to find another pastor for that. What I'm praying for you is this, is that whatever measure you need to trust God more, the Holy Spirit will lead you to that. If there's a part of your heart that you're still holding back, if there's a part of your life, you're, you're man, I, I, I'm, I, I, I trust God maybe for my eternity, and I trust God for, um, for, you know, giving me a job, but I'm not really trusting God for my finances. I trust God for my finances, trust God for my eternity, but I'm not trusting God for my relationships. Whatever, whatever compartment is that you're like, man, I'm just holding back from God a little bit. My prayer for you today is that you trust God with everything because the peace that you lack isn't when conflict goes away. The peace that you lack is when God's presence comes in. 